Honest facts, dynamic conversations and powerful financial strategies that will help you craft a blueprint for your future. Welcome to We Money Talk with the founder and CEO of We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Terry Wheeler. There's enough everyday stress without also having to worry about retirement. Is that your world? Well, this may be the place for you to have those concerns eased, at least a bit. We Money Talk with Terry Wheeler tackles the topics you want to understand about retirement planning and building wealth. I'm Patrice Sikora, and in this inaugural episode, we're going to learn about the man who likes to talk about money. Hello, Terry. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Patrice. I'm excited to get started. All right. Let's start at the beginning then. How did you get into the business in the first place? I was kind of one of these odd kids that really figured out that I wanted to be a stockbroker very early on. So in my mind, I didn't think financial planning, I thought stockbroker. And that's what I went through undergraduate at San Diego State University was financial uh, finance degree with a concentration in financial planning. So it was one of two colleges in the country that offered financial planning and CFP coursework um, as part of your bachelor's of science degree. So I, I started right out in that, did clerking for what used to be called Dean Witter. Now it's Morgan Stanley. That's the name you don't hear. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a while back. So that was over 30 years ago. So that's how I started. And in, in the beginning, I couldn't get a job directly as a broker because I looked like I was 15 at that point, graduating from college. Um, I was actually 21 and I was working in banking. And in banking, I had called on a client that worked upstairs at a Wells Fargo branch. So I was a personal and business banking officer. And this gentleman did real estate, which I had a lot of interest in. Mm -hmm. And he used to buy raw land, entitle it, and sell it off to some of the big builders in our area. That was his whole business. And he did very well at it. So as I learned about his business, I was very interested. And he said, well, if you want to learn about it, um, I'm here every day and I'm very early. I get in around seven. He said, come in and I'll teach you before you, you start work. And back then we had banker's hours. So we started about nine o'clock. So I came in religiously just about every single day and I beat him to the office most days and was learning all about real estate. Hmm. After about a month, month and a half in, he's like, why in the heck are you a banker? And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm not going to be a banker. I'm going to be a stockbroker. <laughs> and he said, stockbroker. And I said, yeah, I want to, I want to be a stockbroker. I just haven't been able to get into that yet. Uh, but that's what I ultimately plan on doing. And he said, well, when you're ready, I was the best man at, at Lloyd Kelly was the gentleman's name at downtown uh, Sacramento, Dean Witter. He said, I was the best man in his wedding. So I've known him for years. When you're ready, I'll arrange an interview. So as a young 21-year-old, I kind of let a dramatic pause go by. I said, I'm, I'm ready. And he goes, you want me to call? I said, make the call. <laughs> so he did. Two weeks later, I had gone through the interviews and I was hired and off to New York for training for uh, Dean Witter. And that's that's kind of how I got my start. That That's just amazing. So it sounds to me like knowledge, education, you just gravitate to that. Always have. So our, our name, We Alliance Wealth Advisors, we actually stands for wealth education. And I've always been one. I always kind of chuckled where people would go to conferences, businesses would send your employees or your salespeople or whomever to conferences. And there's all kinds of great information. And they would just be there for the social aspect, it seemed. And very rarely did they bring back anything. 
I was very different. I would go to a conference. I would learn something. I would implement it when I got back. And that would be my challenge every time I went. Education to me, you have to be an expert at your craft. So if there's one big knock on me where I may kind of cause cause clients to glaze over at times is I will go deep if they want to go deep. So we know the tax law. We know the tax. I, I ultimately went to law school, not to be a lawyer, but to learn the tax planning, the asset protection, the estate planning, all these aspects that are critical to estate planning. And I did that because I looked like I was 15. So about three or four years into the business, I went to law school. So I wasn't a lawyer that became a financial advisor. It was the other way around, which which is a big distinction. But the education never stopped. I continued with programs afterwards. I took MIT courses as recently as the past 18 months. Um, and I've been 30, almost 35 years in the business. So I am constantly learning because that's how you take care of your clients. And we're, and you, we're passionate advocates for our clients. And you teach. Yeah, yeah we've taught for uh, CFP candidates. So through UC Davis. Um, so they, in that one, I taught the tax course, ironically. So the the financial planning course, which is really... My retirement, I thought I would just teach young financial planners A to Z how to do proper financial planning, because in in San Diego State, my favorite professor by far taught one class. His day job was managing his own portfolio and trading his portfolio stocks. So it was stock analysis. And he used to almost chuckle at some of the other advisors and he would challenge the students. He would say, well, ask them what they're doing in their portfolio. Ask them what they actually do in real life, because too often you have people that have no experience doing what they're teaching and you've got to have the experience. So when you look at my portfolio, it's the same as my clients. We have the same challenges, the same problems. We have, we have higher net worth, high tax bracket clients, a lot of physicians, and they have unique problems that need to be addressed. Why well, live it too? We have the same issues and we do the planning for them like we do for ourselves because we've we're good savers. So I, I practice what I preach. What kind of client education do you do? We teach our entire marketing is teaching. So the, the, we'll go in and if we do a subject matter, let's say we're teaching a workshop. My goal is that everybody there, they may have come in for a free steak for a dinner workshop, as an example, but they leave with something that they can implement. So my goal for them is I don't care if they become a client or not. It's give them something that they can implement and improve in their planning. So if it's estate planning, you know, we maybe we're talking about how to build in divorce protection for your kids or how to make sure that we have what's called bloodline protection. So you don't have the money get lost to a second spouse if you've lost your spouse and then kids get disinherited. Financial planning, we talk about downside protection, private pensions, meaning how to make sure you don't outlive your money. A lot of the big stressors in retirement. So we don't hide the ball. We work with the delegators. Those that are do-it-yourselfers, I'm happy to teach them and let them go implement it. There are plenty of delegators out there. So I, I'm an open book and I tell people exactly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Because if I can help them, the do-it-yourselfers, it was a successful workshop. We'll get clients through the delegators. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. We're a very mature firm. Uh, we want to help people that need the help. If they just need a little bit of drive-by advice, as I call it, then we're happy to give it. Who's on your team? You keep saying we. Who's on your team, Terry? Yeah, so we have here about 13 people. Um, I am the, the the lead advisor, and I work with, with all the higher net worth people. They're typically meeting with me, but it's 
it's not just me. We have typically two people that will be on the financial planning team that's working with me for, for a client's portfolio. We have people that do all the paperwork, of course. So the financial assistants, or we call them client concierges, they, they help with all the onboarding. Uh, and then the follow-up, we, we're very systematic. So we do proactive tax planning every fall. Uh, so there's a meeting that is for that. And it's not to do the planning for the year we're in. It's to do mm-hmm. maybe cleanup if everything to get, didn't get done. But it's to lay out the next year, three years, five years. So we're big on reducing lifetime tax bills. So you got to be proactive there. We check in on their big picture plan. The the Usually between the first and second quarter, they're doing a meeting that we're going through that. We're We're big on breaking down the planning into segments to make sure nothing's missed. So- tax planning, they have a actual written plan for tax planning as to what they're going to do, one, three, five lifetime type approach. Um, Long-term care, even if it's self-insurance, if that's their plan, we outline it so the kids, if something happens, they know. And they know where to find the policy if they have a policy. Wealth planning, we're our strength, our core strength is portfolio management, wealth building. And that goes beyond products that we're offering. I mean, we, we teach people who a young physician, as an example, they have very strong income, but they may start with a negative net worth, right. which is what I did after law school, also big student loans. So the key is teaching them how to build wealth, enjoy the journey a little bit, save well, but also have them prepared to build wealth. So we teach them about what's called dry powder, which is a concept where if you look back at 2009, 2010, when the market crashed, that was one of the biggest opportunities of our lifetime. So I know in in just chatting with you before the podcast, we mentioned we have we have triplets. I actually have five children. What I did after that crash is we bought one rental property for each of the five children, and the the concept was it's our property, not theirs, but right. it's earmarked for their education. So paying for five colleges is very expensive. So we're, they're 13 now, the triplets. So it's right around the corner. But we we did that with the idea that, okay, by the time they are in college, we will have this paid off because they were cash flowing at 12%. Everything was on sale at that point. Yeah. These are homes that, that we got for a song and you can walk to Folsom Lake, which is a, a nice lake in our area. And we we made five, six, 700% on every single home within the next six, seven years. And it didn't mean it went up fivefold. It meant we put down 20%. So we had leverage. So we made a lot of money on them. So you can't take advantage of things if you don't have any dry powder. So a lot of people could see the opportunity, but they weren't ready to seize the opportunity. We prep people for the long run and we teach those young physicians and young high income earners how to have dry powder intentionally so that when there's blood in the streets, as Warren Buffett says, it's time to be greedy from an investment standpoint. You have to have a plan for that. So if you don't have a plan for where you're going, good luck getting there. You're going to end up somewhere, but who knows where that's going to be. So we we really are proactive in, in every sense of the way for our planning for our clients and for ourselves. And I want to talk about those clients. You've mentioned physicians. You've mentioned higher net worth. But before we were talking on, on the uh, show here, you mentioned that you like to serve those who serve others. Tell me about that. Well, just over time, so we, we all went through the pandemic. This is where I think it really became solidified. So we, we were already helping physicians pretty extensively. We've done that for 20, 30 years, especially with Kaiser. We have clients at UC Davis, right. Mercy, 
physicians and, and nurses, um, et cetera, also. But for the physicians in particular, that's who I work a lot with because we can bring so much value to them. But I'm happy to work with, like everybody says, oh, I have this minimum. I am very good at the high net worth, but I have, I meet a good person. I want to help them. It's just my personality. And we have a big enough team here where I can help them, where I can outline the plan. My team can implement it. I'll spend a lot more time with somebody who, who needs more help, you need a more complicated situation. But during the pandemic and stuff, we really saw what our physician clients went through. We saw what the nurses went through. We saw the fear, yet it did not stop them. Um, we all lived through 9-11 and we saw what happened with, you know, the firefighters. You almost get emotional just talking about it. But we know we can bring tremendous value. Being able to do that for people that are helping others, it just brings us a little extra joy. Now, with that said, I have clients that are big and ma they made their money in real estate, not exactly serving the public in the same way. So we have we have clients that do all different things. But we just really enjoy working with that segment because we pride ourselves in over-delivering. And those individuals, they want people who really know their stuff, but they're great clients. Once they realize you truly are an expert, you're not just giving them a sales pitch. You know what you're doing and you bring up subject matter that they've never heard of. And we do that not occasionally, it's very routinely. So that comes from all the wealth education. We go deep. Um, and we spent years and years honing our craft. And that allows us to see things that other advisors just can't see because they don't they don't have the legal, the tax, the financial, the downside protection background. I even have an options background from when I was a very really? young advisor, one of the top advisors at Dean Witter downtown. He was an options trader and he taught me a tremendous amount. And people don't realize they think of options as something that is risky. No, if you use it right, it's to control risk. So market crashes 50%. If we're down 2%, that's a pretty successful year. And that's what we do. And then we get to buy the dip. So controlling the downside is a huge part of building wealth over the long run. And by having a plan where you do that routinely, you go through a market cycle. Mm -hmm. Our goal isn't to mimic the S&P, it's to beat it and we have, we have some strategies that we utilize that we put into a fund structure about four years ago. And both of the funds that we have um, there are beating the S&P blended index. Uh, one of them is 160% of what that index has done for the past four years. And it's not because we're aggressive on the upside. We only target 80% on the upside. But on the downside, we break even and we buy the dip. So we're not great at timing the market. It's systematic. But by doing that, you, you end up ahead. So we, we have to teach our clients a lot because they're used to just some investment advisor that's sending money to different places. And they're asset gatherers. That's not who we are. We, we actually go deep and we do real planning. It's not just on the portfolio. It's on the taxes. It's on the asset protections, on the estate planning. It's every facet of estate planning or of financial planning. That's what we do. You sound like, to, really like what you do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I really do consider myself. I like the term a passionate advocate for our clients because I believe in passion. If you're passionate about what you do, you're better at it. And I, I was just one of these lucky individuals that I got into the career that I love. And I 
I have no, my, my target retirement was age 55, which I shared with you off camera. I just turned 55 and my plan was to be able to retire. Well, I had triplets along the way. So that, <laughs> that changed the target a little bit, but we're ready. I could retire at 55, but I doubt if I'll retire for another 15 or 20 years because I get out of bed and I'm excited to come in and work. Not every day. So don't get me wrong. Uh, some days I'd rather just go back to bed like everybody else, but I'm really passionate about what I do and I, re I really enjoy it. And I'm fortunate to have a team around me where they do all the paperwork. They do all the things that I don't really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that allows me to focus on really what I'm really, really good at, which is the planning and strategy side. And you're passionate about travel, you told me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you had asked me kind of, you know, what, what, what do we do? Like what, what makes us tick? And, and I, I love the business, but my family is really the other part of my life, the center part of my life. Um, so my, my wife and I have, uh, five kids in total. Um, so one of my, one of my daughters was actually from a prior relationship. So I didn't do it all right the first time. Um, then my wife and I have four, four kids. So five total ones in college, ones in high school, and the triplets are 13 now. And we've, my whole business plan was around, I want to make enough to, to be able to travel the world and see and do things and experience life. I'm not a big stuff person, never have been. I could care less if I have the shiniest car or the the biggest house. We do have a fairly big house because we have five kids. <laughs> That's out of necessity. But travel, experience, those are things that that I'm very passionate about. And we've tried to pass that on and have done that with our kids and we hope once they're adults that they continue to do that and continue to travel, which I'm I'm sure if we're foot in the bill, they they will continue. <laughs> but I think they'll do it on their own. Like I, I can see it in a lot of them. They really are passionate about different areas. And we talk to them about where should we try to plan for our next big trip? Because we, we try to do a big trip every two or three years with them. Nice. Very nice. Other than travel, when you're not working, what do you do for fun with five kids? <laughs> um, well, we do a lot of kid events. So I, uh, it's funny because I'm a financial guy, but the boys right now are big into robotics oh, and good. they're doing something called Vex Robotics. And mm -hmm. last year was their first year. They were, they could barely, you know, screw things together in the beginning. <laughs> By the end of the season, they actually qualified for Worlds. And Worlds was held in Dallas, Texas. And it was an event that they were definitely one of the, lower teams they weren't they weren't as skilled they just barely got into worlds but when they got there and they saw how these what these teams were doing kids their age that had been in it for years so they they kind of got started late they got passionate about it and this year for the first three or four weeks they held the the record the world record for what's called the skills competition and they've been beat now by three teams from china one from australia and one from canada so they're still the number one team in the US. And I know nothing about robotics. I'm the lead parent. So I teach them about setting goals. I teach them about really planning out. Like in the beginning of the year, they set a goal to go to worlds again and to make it to the arena, which is where the top teams in the world are battling each other. Wow! And so it's been fun. So I do that and I actually really enjoy it, but I spend a lot of hours in that daughters in volleyball. So we do a fair amount of volleyball and, and watching her play in that also. And then my oldest daughter's in theater. Actually, both my oldest daughters were in theater. So we spent a lot of time helping her. And um, my wife spends more time volunteering there. I, of course, go see everything. Uh, 
That's, Went to the Taylor cool. Swift. Yeah, That's I have daughters, so we, so we were big Taylor Swift people. <laughs> we went to the Taylor Swift concert, which was, you know, see, seeing them. Uh, our daughters were what I call they ugly cried. They were so excited to see Taylor Swift and to be there. They they were so happy that they were ugly crying is the only way I could explain <laughs> it. And I have it on video, and it was the, it was like, oh my gosh, was this ever worth it? Uh, so uh, kid activities, um, we do things as a family. We like to snow ski. So we're right by Lake Tahoe. So we go up and we ski a lot. Uh, we do water sports. We're by the lake. Um, everything we do really is around the family. So I'm, I enjoy my kids. I like spending time with them. They're not, I would have never planned to have had triplets, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I, lo I love the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, along with that, tell me something most people don't know about you. I'm an open book. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess something that they didn't know about me. I've, I've held just about every job you can think of. So it's, it's funny because I, and not really that many, but, but meaning I started out doing everything from mowing lawns, paper routes, mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, I know where I got my work ethics from, from my mom, for sure. Um, but I, I started jobs when I was very young. I worked fast foods. I worked, I was one of the few people that got denied a job at McDonald's. And it's because I was only 15 and you had to be 15 and a half. Um, so then I walked across the parking lot to Wendy's and I just told them I was 15 and a half. <laughs> wow. And I got a job. So I, I worked at Wendy's and then I worked at Jack in the Box because that's where my friends had gone over and and I've I've done everything I've done I worked at a video store I did room service um I worked my way all through college something I'm very proud of um I I'm one of these kids and we did not have money growing up but we definitely had work ethic and my mom gave me the most valuable lessons which was work ethic uh, my mom and dad both gave us another valuable lesson which is you got to be passionate about what you do and they ironically taught us that because they both hated their jobs. So they they did not they did not get up excited to go to work. It was a means to take care of the kids. It was not that they were passionate. And my brother and I, for some reason, picked up on it. And both of us found jobs that we're passionate about. That's fantastic. And that makes all the difference in the world, I think. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What's your idea of success, Terry? Uh it really centers around the passion. Like, I, I think if you get up in the morning and you're excited about what you're going to do that day, that is success. It, it's not just waiting till retirement. You got to enjoy the journey, make every day count. We've been doing this for 35 years. So unfortunately we've, we've seen clients that have passed away very young in life, whether it be by accident or heart attack or different things, you can't just defer, defer, defer. Uh, one of the things I really like about working with physicians is they're very good at delayed gratification. But it's also a challenge because you got to get them to enjoy the journey too, because you don't want to wake up and feel like, wow, I just let life pass me by because I felt like I was supposed to do all this delay. Uh, there is no challenge with physicians getting them to do delayed gratification. It's more getting them to have proper balance. And when you show them how to build wealth properly, they can do both. So it's it's fun to do that. Uh, so I think anything you're doing when you get up in the morning and you're excited, 
that's success, whether it be retired and you're golfing for the day or you're traveling or you're going to work in a job that you love. On a, another high note there, I mean, I, I love the answer. Being passionate about what you do makes life worth it. What is your proudest achievement? I, you can so say the kids, I, you can say the kids. Okay. That's where I was going. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of odd because I don't, I hardly remember the first year of the triplets life. Mm -hmm. um, but I survived it. That was the proudest moment because we, I was working because my wife, of course, had to take, she was working at the time also. She had to stop working. Um, <clears throat> we never slept. I don't, I don't know how I got through it. Like I probably averaged three to four hours sleep at most for the first year or so of their life. Uh, I just, I remember one morning my wife wakes up and I'm, I don't know, it's three in the morning. I have the triplets lined up on what we called a boppy, which is kind of like a, mm. A U-shaped like pillow. Yeah. So I have them all up and I have blankets around each of them or little towels and I have their bottles propped up so I could feed all three of them at once because there's three of them, one of me. And my wife was so upset with me telling me how it was dangerous. And I'm like, I'm right here watching them. If they choke, I've got them. So she was upset with me. And then about a week later, I wake up and I go out to check <laughs> on her and she's got all of them lined up doing the same thing because it was survival. Somewhere along the line, I remember a commercial where the, the the first kid you have, it's like you're so protective. And then in this commercial or whatever it was, I saw the the um, the Amazon driver, or whatever is coming, and they're asking you to sign for something. You're like, here, hold the kid, and you're signing something. That kind of epitomizes epitomizes our journey and trying to figure out how to raise triplets. And um, so that's that's my most proud is I, I think my wife and I are both very good parents. Uh, we definitely make mistakes along the way. There's no playbook, uh, but we work hard to try to make them good people and and knock on wood so far, they they seem to be all turning out as just really great people. So that's that's where we're most proud, I think. And that is quite the achievement. I'll tell you, I've had a great time speaking with you here, listening <laughs> to your stories. It's, it's wonderful. How can people reach you if they want to hear more stories about you or if they have questions they want to ask you? Uh, well, we, we have our, our website, of course, which will be in the show notes. And it's it's www.wereiaadvisors.com. Uh, we, um, and we have the podcast, of course, which is the inaugural episode. But we've got about 16 shows lined out. And that's just the first few because I have a lot of topics. I mean, in, in the podcast, we are going to teach people real actionable items. It's not just to get clients. The goal is to reach more people and to help them. Um, so the podcast, of course, uh, you can just give us a call at the office. Uh, we can help people in a variety of states. I think we have about nine or 10 states that we have clients in and that we're licensed in simply because we're in California. A lot of people move out of California. <laughs> so they keep <laughs> us as their advisor and we do it through Zoom, but we got clients all over the country. So um, they can reach us at the office also. All right. So uh, listeners there, you heard it follow, subscribe to this podcast. More are coming. They are in the pipeline. You're going to love them. And of course, share, share with others. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to We Money Talk with Terry Wheeler. Be sure to click the follow button to be notified as new episodes become available. 
Information presented is for educational purposes only. No listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Inc. or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Inc. is not a law firm or accounting firm and no portion of this podcast should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not appropriate for every individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax, legal, or investment advisors to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation.